Welcome to the Enchanted Library, where we turn the pages of books, beautiful and old, living and magical. It's time to curl up, get cozy, and join us on an adventure. Today we're reading from The Wonder Book by Nathaniel Hawthorne, The Chimera. At daybreak, therefore, as soon as he unclosed his eyes, he gently pinched the wings horse's ear in order to arouse him. Pegasus immediately started from the ground and pranced about a quarter of a mile aloft and made a grand sweep around the mountaintop by way of showing he was wide awake and ready for any kind of an excursion. During the whole of this little flight, he uttered a loud, brisk, and melodious neigh, and finally came down at Bellerophon's side, as lightly as you ever saw a sparrow hop upon a twig. "'Well done, my dear Pegasus, well done, my sky-skimmer,' said Bellerophon, fondly stroking the horse's neck. "'And now, my fleet and beautiful friend, we must break our fast. Today we are to fight the terrible Chimera.' As soon as they had eaten their morning meal and drank some sparkling water from a spring called Hippocrene, Pegasus held out his head of his own accord so that his master might put on the bridle. Then, with a great many playful leaps and airy caperings, he showed his impatience to be gone, while Bellerophon was girding on his sword and hanging his shield about his neck and preparing himself for battle. When everything was ready, the rider mounted, and, was his custom when going a long distance, ascended five miles perpendicularly the better to see whether he was directing his course. He then turned the head of Pegasus toward the east and set out for Lycia. In their flight, they overtook an eagle and came so nigh him that before he could get out of their way, that Bellerophon might easily have caught him by the leg. Hastening onward at this rate, it was still early in the forenoon when they beheld the lofty mountains of Lycia, with their deep and shaggy valleys. If Bellerophon had been told truly, it was in one of those dismal valleys that the hideous Chimera had taken up its abode. Being now so near their journey's end, the winged horse gradually descended with his rider, and they took advantage of some clouds that were floating over the mountain tops in order to conceal themselves. Hovering on the upper surface of the cloud and peeping over its edge, Bellerophon had a pretty distinct view of the mountainous parts of Lycia, and could look into all its shadowy vales at once. At first there appeared to be nothing remarkable. It was a wild, savage, and rocky tract of high and precipitous hills. In the more level part of the country, there were the ruins of houses that had been burnt, and here and there the carcasses of dead cattle strewn about the pastures where they had been feeding. The chimera must have done this mischief, thought Bellerophon, but where can the monster be? As I have already said, there was nothing remarkable to be detected at first sight in any of the valleys and dells that lay among the precipitous heights of the mountains. Nothing at all, unless, indeed, it were three spires of black smoke, which issued from what seemed to be the mouth of a cavern, and clambered sullenly into the atmosphere. Before reaching the mountaintop, these three black smoke wreaths mingled themselves into one. The cavern was almost directly beneath the winged horse and his rider, at the distance of about a thousand feet. The smoke, as it crept heavily upward, had an ugly, sulfurous, stifling scent, which caused Pegasus to snort and Bellerophon to sneeze. So disagreeable was it to the marvelous steed, who was accustomed to breathe only the purest air, that he waved his wings and shot half a mile out of the range of this offensive vapor. 
But on looking behind him, Bellerophon saw something that in first induced him to draw the bridle, and then to turn Pegasus about. He made a sign which the winged horse understood and sunk slowly through the air, until his hooves were scarcely more than a man's height above the rocky bottom of the valley. In front, as far off as you could throw a stone, was the cavern's mouth, with the three smoke wreaths oozing out of it. And what else did Bellerophon behold there? There seemed to be a heap of strange and terrible creature curled up in, within the cavern. Their bodies lay so close together that Bellerophon could not distinguish them apart. But judging by their heads, one of these creatures was a huge snake, the second a fierce lion, and the third an ugly goat. The lion and the goat were asleep. The snake was brought awake and kept staring around him with a great pair of fiery eyes. But, and this was the most wonderful part of the matter, the three spires of smoke evidently issued from the nostrils of these three heads. So strange was the spectacle, that though Bellerophon had all along been expecting it, the truth did not immediately occur to him, that here was the terrible three-headed chimera. He had found the chimera's cavern. The snake, the lion, and the goat, as he supposed them to be, were not three separate creatures, but one monster." the wicked, hateful thing. Slumbering as two-thirds of it were, it still held in its abominable claws the remnant of an unfortunate lamb, or possibly, but I hate to think so, it was a dear little boy, which its three mouths had been gnawing before two of them fell asleep. All at once Bellerophon started as if from a dream and knew it to be the chimera. Pegasus seemed to know it at the same instant and sent forth a neigh, which sounded like the call of a trumpet to battle. At this sound, the three heads reared themselves erect and belched out great flashes of flame. Before Bellerophon had time to consider what to do next, the monster flung itself out of the cavern and sprung straight toward him with its immense claws extended and its snaky tail twisting itself venomously behind. If Pegasus had not been so nimble as a bird, both he and his rider would have been overthrown by the chimera's headlong rush, and thus the battle would have ended before it was well begun. But the winged horse was not to be caught so. In a twinkling of an eye, he was up aloft, halfway to the clouds, snorting with anger. He shuddered, too, not with affright, but with utter disgust at the loathsomeness of this poisonous things with three heads. The chimera, on the other hand, raised itself up so as to stand absolutely on the tip end of its tail, with its talons pawing fiercely in the air and its three heads sputtering fire at Pegasus and his rider. My stars, how it roared and hissed and bellowed. Bellerophon, meanwhile, was fitting his shield on his arm and drawing his sword. Now, my beloved Pegasus, he whispered in the winged horse's ear, thou must help me to slay this insufferable monster, or else thou shalt fly back to thy solitary mountain peak without thy friend Bellerophon, for either the chimera dies, or its three mouths shall gnaw this head of mine which has slumbered upon thy neck." Pegasus whinnied, and turning back his head, rubbed his nose tenderly against his rider's cheek. It was his way of telling him that though he had wings and was an immortal horse, yet he would perish if it were possible for immortality to perish, rather than leave Bellerophon behind. "'I thank you, Pegasus,' answered Bellerophon. "'Now then, let us make a dash at the monster.' Uttering these words, he shook the bridle, and Pegasus darted down a slant, as swift as the flight of an arrow, right toward the chimera's threefold head, which all this time was poking itself as high as it could into the air. When he came within arm's length, Bellerophon made a cut at the monster, but was carried onward by his steed before he could see whether the blow had been successful. 
Pegasus continued his course, but soon wheeled around at about the same distance from the chimera as before. Bellerophon then perceived that he had cut the goat's head of the monster almost off, so that it dangled downward by the skin and seemed quite dead. But, to make amends, the snake's head and the lion's head had taken all the fierceness of the dead one into themselves, and spit flame and hissed and roared with a vast deal more fury than before. "'Never mind, my brave Pegasus,' cried Bellerophon. "'With another stroke like that, we will either stop its hissing or its roaring.' And again he took the bridle. Dashing aslantwise as before, the winged horse made another arrow flight towards the chimera, and Bellerophon aimed another downright stroke at one of the two remaining heads as he shot by. But this time, neither he nor Pegasus escaped so well as at first. With one of its claws, the chimera had given the young man a deep scratch in his shoulder, and had slightly damaged the left wing of the flying steed with the other. On his part, Bellerophon had mortally wounded the lion's head of the monster, insomuch as it now hung downward, with its fire almost extinguished, and sending out gasps of thick black smoke. The snake's head, however, which was the only one left, was twice as fierce and venomous as ever before. It belched forth shoots of fire five hundred yards long, and emitted hisses so loud, so harsh, and so ear-piercing, that King Iobates heard them fifty miles off, and trembled till the throne shook under him. Well a day, thought the poor king, the chimera is certainly coming to devour me. Meanwhile, Pegasus had again paused in the air and neighed angrily, while sparkles of a pure crystal flame darted out of his eyes. How unlike the lurid fire of the chimera! The aerial steed's spirit was all aroused, and so was that of Bellerophon. "'Dost thou bleed, my immortal horse?' cried the young man, caring less for his own hurt than for the anguish of this glorious creature that ought to have never tasted pain. "'The execrable chimera shall pay for this mischief with his last head.' Then he shook the bridle, shouted loudly, and guided Pegasus, not aslantwise as before, but straight at the monster's hideous front. So rapid was the onset that it seemed but a dazzle and a flash before Bellerophon was at close grips with his enemies. The chimera by this time, after losing its second head, had gotten into a red-hot passion of pain and rampant rage. It so flounced about, half on earth and partly in the air, that it was impossible to say which element it rested upon. It opened its snake jaws to such an abominable width that Pegasus might almost, I was going to say, have flown right down its throat, wings outspread, rider and all. At their approach, it shot out of a tremendous blast of its fiery breath and enveloped Bellerophon and his steed in a perfect atmosphere of flame, singeing the wings of Pegasus, scorching off one whole side of the young man's golden ringlets, and making them both far hotter than was comfortable from head to foot. But this was nothing to what followed. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and share our podcast with a friend. Stay connected by following us on Facebook at facebook.com slash enchanted library. If you'd like to support the work we do, you can visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash enchanted library. We appreciate your support. Until next time, friends. Happy reading.